step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Isn't this a sports show? Oh my, I just closed the tab, and then the thing on my next tab was dick dastardly. <laughs> almost entirely. Nothing fuels me quite like the ability to blame someone else for something. This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. All right, so far in this segment, we've called Mike Moustakis Pudgy, and we've insulted Alex Gordon's beard. On 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Like, instead of me doing a hand bra, I'm like behind Cody giving him a hand bra. Keep up with the show on Twitter at J.D. Briscoe. All I care about is those good, good tweets, in case you haven't noticed. That's, I, I work, I actually work for free here. I don't get paid, I just get good, good retweets. On ESPN Kansas City. What was that? I was hitting buttons I didn't need to hit. <laughs> Man, I was like, I was absolutely revving up, ready to go. I was like, oh, what's the first punch I'm going to throw? How are we going to do this? How are we going to start talking about the draft? I have five pages of notes about the NFL draft just with the Chiefs. And then I got all thrown off because Beards just hit a button he didn't need to hit. Welcome in to a very special Monday edition of Almost Entirely Sports here on ESPN Kansas City. My name is Joshua Briscoe. Most of you know that already. Some of you may not know that for sure. You're swerving in because you want to know about the NFL Draft. As always, we're on 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, Facebook.com slash ESPN Kansas City, and also Almost Entirely Sports wherever you hit your podcasts. Glad that you're joining us today because I am excited to talk about what the Chiefs did. We're going to have Kent Swanson on from Arrowhead Pride at 5. He did some of the best work on the planet as far as Chiefs-based draft preview research. Um, And then his takeaways from after the draft are based on that stuff that he did already, not just what he uh, sort of does in a revisionist way. So I'm excited to talk to him. But what I'm doing, where I'm coming from, is literally so has been has been so frustrating that I need to make sure we have a proper like prelude. I need to make sure that that you are hearing this fairly and reasonably and everything. Beard, your microphone has been on for this entire show. By the way, I don't know if you do that or not. I could hear you listening to the show, and then I could hear you typing buttons. Feel free to... I mean, you can leave it on if you want. I just seemed like you probably didn't know it was on. No, I didn't. I didn't think so. Good thing I didn't go on a cursing tirade. That's honestly what I was waiting for. (laughs) I was waiting for you to mumble a curse. And then I was going to go, whoops, hey, beards. That three-second delay we have would have worked perfectly. Except for Facebook that would have heard the whole thing. Yep. Hi, Facebook. Before we begin talking about the draft, before not you know what? No. Before I tell you what I think about the draft, I just want to give you this ahead of time, okay? Most of us don't know all that much. 
from radio hosts to draft expert writers to NFL GMs, we're all doing a lot of guessing whenever it comes to the NFL draft. Specifically when it comes to how those guys are going to translate into the NFL game. Because at the core of it, literally none of us know. And I'm cool with that. None of us know exactly how these guys are going to fit into the league. Because every year, an undrafted free agent becomes a starter and a top 10 pick leaves the league after a few disappointing years. Trying to project the eventual value of anybody in the middle of that is even more of a fool's errand. So we're better off if we can acknowledge that at the front end. The things I'm going to tell you are going to still be things that I believe and things based in facts and educated guesses about these players and also facts about the team, about the Chiefs specifically, that I know. But it, but it's built on that. And I feel like we would all be so much better off if we could acknowledge what I just said. So that's what I wanted to start with. And we can try to understand the value of these draft picks at the time and the strategy behind it. And we can also look at what teams did and didn't attempt to fix and then judge that as well. And that's what we're doing today. That's where we're going to head. The apparent value of players, the apparent reasoning behind who was and wasn't selected. And one, one more time for the absolute monsters in my Twitter mentions. I will not be making definite statements about any of the players the Chiefs drafted today, or this weekend. Today, I will not be making any of those statements. I'll take the information I have, and we'll have a discussion about it. I'm also not terribly interested in giving the Chiefs the uninhibited benefit of the doubt. Brett Veach seems like an incredibly smart person, and I like what I know about him, and I like listening to him talk about football and the guys that they picked. But I'm going to tell you where I think he over or underrated a need of the team. That's literally what I'm here for. And I think most of you get that. I don't mean to insult the, the majority of you and what you expect from radio and, and analysis in general. I'm basically now yelling at like three specific dorks from Twitter. Um, and I'll talk about those people later. <laughs> I, I literally have a section... I, here's a tease. You know what? I'm going to give you a tease. This could be the end of today's show. This could be 45 minutes from now. I don't know. But I literally have a section of my notes today that says, person's name will not get off my bleep. That is a segment we're going to do later. Is a bunch of people on Twitter who will not leave me alone because they don't understand what they want from analysts. So there's a tease. <laughs> But so let's talk about what the Chiefs actually did now. Is that enough of a precursor? Did I give you it? Did I give you enough? Do you understand where my where my heart is at on this one? What I am and am not trying to accomplish. Here's what the Chiefs did. They drafted five defensive players with their first five picks, and it wasn't until pick 196 that, that they took an actual cornerback. The first half of that sentence would not have surprised me a week ago. The second half would have. So they took Breland Speaks, Derek Nottie, Dorian O'Daniel, Armani Watts, cornerback Traymond Smith, and Khalil McKenzie. That's an edge rusher, a defensive tackle, a linebacker slash sort of box safety, another safety, a kind of a center field safety, a cornerback, and then a defensive tackle that they're going to be turning into a guard. Here's the knee-jerk reaction. And this is really also the day two reaction, the, the second and third rounds. 
when the Chiefs took Breland Speaks, Derek Noddy, and Dorian O'Daniel. Dra- for me, four points. Four, four sort of things that this can walk through here. One, drafting a developmental pass rusher, Speaks, and a non-three-down defensive lineman, Noddy, is fine. But not with your first two picks, not with this depth at cornerback, and not at the cost of trading up twice for those first two guys. That's why I didn't like what the Chiefs did with their first two picks. They they traded up for guys that are part-timers, basically. Speaks isn't going to be a... a I, w- I, I, no, I don't expect Speaks to contribute very much his first year. I expect roughly last year's Tano Passigno turnout. In fact, Tano Passigno had less in front of him than Breland Speaks does. Last year, Tano Passigno had D. Ford injured in front of him and still couldn't really make a, a much of an impact. Speaks is the fourth edge rusher on this roster behind Houston, Ford, and Passigno. Derek Nottie might be a, a good player, but the Chiefs signed Xavier Williams this offseason, and so this pick feels a little bit redundant. Neither of those guys are really pass rushers. They're both just kind of middle stuffers. Beers made a face whenever I said the phrase middle stuffers. That's what they are. I'm sticking with that. And that's not what the Chiefs needed the most here. I got a lot of tweets a lot of times going, oh, but last year's run defense. Did you, this is a tweet I got, I I got this tweet. Oh, so I guess you were happy with the Chiefs run defense last year? No, you sarcastic person. Oh, I sorry, I wrote down this this tweet, actually, this very, very good tweet from what I can only imagine is a, uh, a professional scouting expert. After the Chiefs drafted Breland Speaks, and not even after they drafted Naughty, he said, quote, So you are happy with our ability to stop the run? Good pick. Listen, man, you didn't even make it into the section about bad tweets that we're doing later. This gets brought up at the front end because I, this, this, this is important to me. Because, again, I, I don't mean to insult someone who points out the Chiefs defense last year was not very good uh, on the ground. It wasn't very good last year on the ground. Shut up, idiot. Sorry, man. I just, I, ugh. I'm just so sensitive about this right now. HR. <laughs> we don't have an HR person in this building. Dang it. <laughs> We've established that already. The Chiefs run defense last year obviously was a problem. Okay. That's easy for us to talk about. We can get that far. So what have they done this off season? They signed Anthony Hitchens to a large deal. They signed Xavier Williams in free agency. They're returning Eric Berry. They're returning Alan Bailey. So was I happy with the run defense before the draft? I mean, kinda. I didn't think that was going to be a vacuum on this team. I didn't think it was going to be lovely. I didn't think it was going to be atrocious. 
Last year was bad, but the run defense that cost the Chiefs against the uh, Tennessee Titans was largely thanks to Daniel Sorensen and Eric Murray playing safety and Darrell Revis getting run past by Derrick Henry. The, the defensive line was addressed. Alan Bailey is back. Eric Berry is back. Xavier Williams is added. This defense already looked extremely different. Anthony Hitchens is added. This defense already looked extremely different in the front seven. Before the draft. So I think focusing on that and missing what they've already done this offseason is doing yourself a disservice. Especially after drafting Derek Nottie later. More importantly though... The Chiefs missed their most important position to improve on. Cornerback. To fix their run defense one more time. To fix their run defense, they added Xavier Williams, Anthony Hitchens to a large contract, returned Eric Berry, returned Alan Bailey, another year of Reggie Ragland, cut ties with Derek Johnson, Tom Bahali. To fix their secondary, the Chiefs traded away Marcus Peters and replaced him with Kendall Fuller. They cut ties with Darrell Rivas. They signed David Amerson. I know we talked about this before the draft, but I think it's really hard to underestimate the value of a really a really overmatched cornerback because if you're going up against a top corner a top quarterback excuse me if you're going up against a top quarterback and you have an undermatched cornerback you can watch Aaron Rodgers or I mean maybe Derek Carr like there's a large obviously large variance between those two quarterbacks. But you can watch those guys pick on Philip Gaines or Kenneth Acker or David Amerson. Maybe Steven Nelson. I'm not sure about him. Those guys are exploitable in a big way, especially if there's an injury anywhere else. And I understand if you live in the backfield, then any quarterback is going to be hard-pressed to survive that. At the same time, these guys aren't seeming particularly poised to even help with that this year. That's not what Nadi does. Speaks is going to have a hard time getting on the field. You can go the, the whole way through. I, I have a theory on what the Chiefs are going to do at cornerback now, by the way. And you know what? I'll just give you that now. I'm going to break down each of these guys individually and tell you what I think about how, that's all, how this all pans out. Um, but I, I have a theory with the cornerback spots because the Chiefs legitimately drafted three guys that can play in the slot. Dorian O'Daniel is going to be kind of, I think, a Daniel Sorensen replacement. He can play in the slot, especially against kind of a modern tight end. So whenever you're going up against Rob Gronkowski, and if you, and you don't want to devote Eric Berry to that guy, although I think they would still devote Eric Berry to him, then you, you're pretty sure that O'Daniel can handle that. The safety they drafted, Armani Watts, can play in the slot. He can handle the, the, the speed of your guys. Same goes for Tremont Smith, the cornerback they drafted later. More slot guys. So here's my new theory on the Chiefs cornerback situation. Here's what I think the Chiefs have at least talked themselves into, for better or for worse. They think that Steven Nelson can play the number two cornerback spot. 
and then Watts, O'Daniel, and Smith are all going to be able to fight for time in the slot. Nelson and Kendall Fuller both also excel in the slot, but they can't afford to move those guys in unless one of these other guys can play the boundary, which I just don't think is going to happen. We'll talk more about all those guys individually in a minute, but I think that right now the expectation is that Nelson and Fuller take edges and just stay there, and then whenever the Chiefs need a slot corner, it's one of these guys they drafted later on. That's my new theory. And it's not terrible. It's not a terrible, terrible, terrible plan, but it's certainly not ideal. I'd much rather be able to move Fuller into the slot with uh, Isaiah Oliver as your first-round draft pick, or your second-round draft pick that you traded up for. That would have been much more doable for me. That would have made me feel a lot better about today. If I've got a question I want to ask to Kent Swanson later, and a question I would ask to you listening or watching the show now, a question I've asked to myself, how does your perception of this draft change if the Chiefs trade up for Isaiah Oliver and not Breland Speaks? For me, it would change for the better. Because they would have addressed their biggest position of need, and this team has one last pass rusher. Okay, you address that next year, or you you re-sign D Ford if he has a nice season, or you address that in free agency next year. Or you just say, you know what? We're gonna go ahead and let Justin Houston and Tano Passano take this. My perception of this draft would have changed tremendously if the Chiefs would have ended up with Isaiah Oliver and not Breland Speaks. And I don't know that I don't know that Breland Speaks is not going to be a good football player. I do not know that. I'm not even pretending to know that. I do not want you to think that I'm telling you that Speaks is going to be a bust. I don't know. I haven't watched him play enough to say that. I think Kent has a pretty good take on it. We'll get to him at five. For me, this team passed an opportunity to address its biggest position of need, which is at one of the corner spots. And now they are forcing Fuller and Nelson to stay on the edges, not at their best positions. And they're going to force a rookie to play in the slot, or they're putting David Amerson on the field for 85% of their snaps. Also not ideal. If you have comments or questions, please, there are two different ways that you can get them to us. Uh, you can tweet me at JB Briscoe, and I'll try to monitor that throughout today's show. Today's show is going to be an unbelievably chiefy, drafty show. Like a, like a breeze. You feel the breeze coming through. It's a drafty show. Sorry, that joke was terrible. But you can uh, tweet me at JB Briscoe, no E, on Twitter. Or the best way you can uh, contribute with it to the show is to go to the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page, facebook.com slash ESPN Kansas City, and uh, go to the video and leave a comment as we go through. Sometimes Beards, you'll, you'll be able to see Beards also. Sometimes Beards will let me know there's something going on. He'll just read it. Or sometimes I'll just meander over there myself and, uh, and start pulling off the ones that I think are interesting. Uh, good questions, good comments, whatever that may be. So if you have questions or comments, that's the way to do it. Facebook.com slash ESPN Kansas City or search ESPN Kansas City wherever you get your podcasts. Or wherever you just, no, that was wrong. I mixed two things together. Facebook.com slash ESPN Kansas Search ESPN Kansas City on Facebook or almost entirely sports wherever you get your podcasts. And if you tweet questions after the fact, after we're not live, I'll try to grab them for the next show. No no guarantees. But there's my, there's my knee-jerk reaction. There, there's my overall analysis. There's my... My big picture standing for where I'm at. Whenever we come back, I'm going to break down every one of these guys the Chiefs took. I got like a paragraph on each of them, and I'm going to explain 
why these guys could pan out or may not pan out. Also, another overarching problem that this this draft presents for the Chiefs, something that we learned also about the 2018 Chiefs. Uh, there is, at the very least, a lot to take away from what the Chiefs did this weekend. And we'll break that down whenever we come back. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports. Some people click this podcast and it says like, more on Spencer Ware to the to injured reserve, which isn't official yet, but whatever, and breaking down the Chiefs trade. And like, all right, hell yeah, Chiefs trade. With Joshua Briscoe. And they clicked it, and we're 10 minutes in, and I'm about to explain the story of this pineapple hat that I'm wearing. On ESPN Kansas City. Welcome back to Almost Entirely Sports here on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, Facebook.com slash ESPN Kansas City, wherever you get your podcasts. Also, 1510.com. You can listen to 1510.com. You can also probably, I think, still listen in the TuneIn app. If you really want to listen to the show, you can find a place to do it. All right, so I gave you my overall takeaways from the Chiefs draft, the, the things that they did and didn't take care of, the things that did and didn't bother me. And now I want to go through these people one by one. I want, to, I want to go through the draftees and look at what that says about these guys specifically and also what it says about the Chiefs and what the Chiefs think about their existing personnel. Because I, I legitimately think that that really all of these say something about the Chiefs, even without knowing the absolute in and outs of the player. Because again, we don't really know exactly what these guys are going to be in the NFL. It's impossible. We have best guesses, and we have film analysis, and we have people who break it down purposefully and, and, and in depth. But I don't think that we can say automatically, this guy's a bust or this guy's going to be a star. It's really difficult. So here's what we can know. That's what I want to talk about now is what we can know. When Things we can't know, I'll tell you that we're guessing. The Chiefs' first pick was Breland Speaks. They traded up to pick 46 to draft him. Here's something that's a little hard to swallow. Brett Veach said that the Chiefs had Breland Speaks as a third-round value. But they then started to worry about him not falling to pick 54, their original pick. So then they gave up pick 78, pick 78, to move up to pick 46 and get him. They also got pick 100 in return. So to move up from from uh, 54 to 46, they moved back from 78 to 100. It's a long fall. That's a lot of value to go get a guy that you personally have a third-round grade on. Uh, Brett Veach also, I think, is largely saying, bleep you and your best available player. I'm not interested in the best player available. I'm interested in guys who I think are out of position of need. The one thing about Breland Speaks that's even more concerning, though, and confusing is that I don't think that a pass rusher was one of the top things, one of the top positions of need on this team, especially while Isaiah Oliver, the cornerback, was on the board still. I digress. It's a lot to move up for him, though. Kent Swanson described it as, quote, significantly overpaying on the draft trade chart. Also, Speaks wasn't in Kent's top 100, which makes me sad. We will ask Kent about that here in uh, 30 minutes whenever he joins us. He also later said that he would have been, he'd be fine with the selection later in the draft, just not overpaying in a trade up. Seth Kaiser, friend of the show, started doing a film review right away and tweeted, quote, 
I'm watching Breland speaks against Mississippi State, and I am quite I am quite whelmed so far. As opposed to being overwhelmed, he was quite whelmed or underwhelmed. He wasn't underwhelmed either. No, he was simply whelmed. I didn't know you could be whelmed. Me neither. But I guess whelmed is. I guess it has to be a thing because you can be overwhelmed or underwhelmed. So whelmed has to be something. He's, he was quite whelmed so far. Matt Derrick, ChiefsDigest.com. Also had him on the show a few times. If you, man, if you're in Chiefs meeting, we haven't had you on this show. I mean, what are you doing? I guess if you probably you're either like a consummate professional. Um, I guess that's probably it. Or you just don't know we exist. Which yeah, that's also a good call. you know. Yep, fair, very fair. Matt Derrick did a mock draft on the Chiefs' behalf through one of those mock draft sort of simulators, and he got Breland Speaks to the Chiefs in the sixth round. <laughs> I said that, and Beards crumpled. Beards doesn't really care about the Chiefs. Beards definitely doesn't care about the draft. But I said that sentence, and Beards crumpled in his chair. You know what that is? That's a Royals move. It is. It absolutely is. And now listen, it's a mock it's a mock draft simulator, whatever. I found that to be a funny anecdote. But hey, Mel Kuyper said that uh, that Speaks was the most underrated defensive player in the draft. That was still for a second or third round range, and the Chiefs gave up a second and a third for him, basically. Um, so that's not my fave. Also, it stands to mention that he's going to be used as an outside linebacker slash, you know, edge rusher of some sort, which is kind of bizarre considering that, as we've mentioned already, he's the fourth outside linebacker on this roster right now behind Justin Houston, D. Ford, and Tano Passigno. He's super athletic. He's also wildly inconsistent. He gets held up a little bit too often. He occasionally has some really tremendous explosions, and he also had two ejections and a DUI in college, which makes me laugh just because I'm still bitter about Marcus Peters being traded for approximately this pick next season. Actually, Mike commented on the Facebook page. He wanted to know what you thought about them trading up for him uh, when he was ejected for, for two games last season, but then Marcus Peters was traded because of quote character issues. Mike is literally like, just like, I don't know how far that comment was to go. It was a few minutes ago. I Mike's think it was a few l- minutes ahead of his show. Yep. Yeah. He's on the future stream. I didn't even, I did not see that comment. Yeah, I, I kind of, it made me laugh. It, it made me laugh. Because I think Andy Reid called him, like, fiery or something. High-intensity player, something like that. Uh-huh. Marcus Peters is a troublemaker. Mm. Keep that in mind. This will be on the test later. On the test, it's... Breland Speaks is A... Breland Speaks fiery. is too fiery as Marcus Peters is too blank. Cancer. Locker room cancer. <sighs> yeah, that it bothers me a little bit. Uh, Brett Veach had a couple quotes that I thought was worth that were worth uh, hearing about. It's like, quote, when you're looking at that big board, he actually didn't say he just said board, sorry. I made a Mel Kuyper for a second. When you're looking at that board and there are big gaps, you go up and get that guy. When we were in the second round and Speaks is on the board, there was a big gap. So what he's saying there is, I think for specifically for pass rushers, it seemed like Veach pretty much had his mind made up to go get a pass rusher. Basically, it seemed like Speaks was the last pass rusher in that tier that the Chiefs saw for a while. 
I do not know what they thought about Isaiah Oliver. I thought for sure they were trading up to go get him. Josh Jackson from Iowa had went went just before this pick the Chiefs traded up for. I thought the Chiefs saw that Josh Jackson was gone and then were trading up for Isaiah Oliver. In the moment, that's what I thought was happening. This, not on my radar, not on anyone's radar. That's what I thought, and I didn't even care about the draft. Yep. Everyone thought that, except for the Chiefs. Veach also said, we had Breland as a third-round value. As I mentioned earlier, and that makes me want to barf. They didn't think he was going to get to pick 54, which I understand. And they wanted him, so they went and got him. Veach also said, quote, when you hear everyone has him in round three, you know he's going in round two. And good God, I just don't know what that means. It just means nothing to me. Means he's going in round two, apparently. He did. He went in round two because you decided it, Brett Veach. It was true. Here's isn't another that, here's another preview. What are we can say, Beards? Isn't that one of those like the self fulfilling prophecy kind of things? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, where it's like you think this is going to happen, so you try as hard as you can to avoid that, but it ends up causing the thing to happen. Uh huh. That's basically what that was. Yeah, they have a third and a uh, second and a third round pick. The oracle, the oracle said that Breland Speaks was going to be your second round pick. So and, you went and made him one. And yep. You traded up to make him one. Again, if this if this is the if the Chiefs just stand pat at fifty four and then also third, if they just get if they were to, to grab him in the third round and take Isaiah Oliver at their pick in the second, I would be I would be singing their praises right now. It's about not addressing the biggest position of need that I see. Uh, here's another um, here's another preview of our future segment. Uh, Twitter won't get off my bleep. Guy on Twitter tweeted me and said, That's why you fans need to quit with the names on the back of the jerseys. It's cancerous. I bet everyone said the same thing when we drafted guys like Tyree Kill, Jared Allen, LDT, among others. Just because you never heard of a player does not mean he sucks. Trust the process, Jesus. First of all, the punctuation did make it sound like he was addressing me, Jesus Christ. Also, he's apparently a Philly fan. He also, yes, that's, that's a sport-wide thing now. Trusting the process transcends the Sixers. But yeah, again, I had to add the punctuation where I thought it belonged. His actual tweet made it sound like he was telling Jesus to trust the process. Which, I mean, sure. Oh, yeah, Jesus absolutely trusted the process. But I don't know what planet this guy's living on. And this was a bad... I'm usually... I usually find myself being pretty patient. With with tweeters because I don't assume that ever like if, if if someone asks a question that I don't think is terribly well informed I am not going to dunk on that guy. If someone if someone asks a question looking for information I'm cool with it. If someone has an opinion that I don't agree with I'm usually going to give them every benefit of the doubt. This guy threw me an alley oop because this is so dumb. Tyreek Hill and Ronald Devore Tardif were mid and late round picks. Like what was it like fifth and sixth different years? The Chiefs traded up in the second round to get Speaks, who is now this team's newly minted fourth and developmental outside linebacker. That is a terrible argument and a terrible comparison. That is not what this is. I hadn't heard of Laurent Deverde Tardif, and that didn't bother me, because he was like a sixth-round pick. Whenever the Chiefs drafted Jared Allen, I was a toddler. <laughs> I wasn't actually, but it, I, wasn't, I didn't have a radio show. Beards, can I get some music, please? I need to see exactly what year Jared Allen was drafted. And I want to say it was like 2006, but I don't. Maybe it was early. I don't know. Let's see here. 
was 04. Oh, then the fourth round also. Another another thing that actually I thought legitimately legitimately thought Jared Allen was a higher pick than the fourth round. So your argument's even worse, you dumb dumb fool. Harsh name calling. I won't I won't call any more names. You misguided person. You can't draft someone in the fourth round that I'm going to rage at. Fourth, fifth, and sixth round, I can't rage at any of that. I'm not even raging about this. But the value matters, man. Also, when Jared Allen was drafted, I was 10 years old. So you're right. I didn't know who Jared Allen was when he was drafted. Because actually, I hadn't even turned 10 yet. Boy, someone listening right now just punched himself in the face because they feel so freaking old. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if me saying that I was I was nine years old the day Jared Allen was drafted by the Chiefs. If that makes you feel like you need to go sign up for AARP or whatever, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do that. What year was that again? Oh four. Then I was twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Eleven going on twelve. Yep. Someone's gonna comment at some point that they feel yep. geriatric right now. Already done. <laughs> what was what did it say? Uh Anita just said in all caps. Me Yeah. Sorry. Are bad. I mean, really, it's their fault. <laughs> right? Why are you guys so dang old? Yeah, that's what, that's the that's the attitude you want to build. Another thing on speaks that I, I thought was interesting. Adam Teicher brought this up. I thought about it, but didn't tweet it because I was tired of I was just tired of fighting off the Twitter horde. But I do wonder what this says about uh, about Tano Passigno. It doesn't definitely mean bad news. But it also definitely doesn't mean good news. Like on an optimistic side, Houston and Passigno and Speaks is a really nice trio for 2019. And then in 2020, they're in the post-Justin Houston era. And that's, you know, that seems better now than it did before Speaks is on the roster. But that also is a really long time from now. And they're not cutting Houston next year. I'd be very, very surprised. It's $7 million to save $14 million, And his demise has been largely incredibly overstated. So I would be very surprised by that. And, and Speaks and Passenger just seem very similar right now. Second-round picks that are going to take some time to develop. Physical freaks can play all over the field, did play all over the field. The difference is that, that Passenger was in the middle of a much more interesting draft with other stars in other places. Um, the Chiefs addressed, addressed their biggest need last year was quarterback. The Chiefs didn't address their biggest need this year. It was cornerback. If, and one other thing that I feel like is important that I should point out before we get through the rest of the analysis on the rest of these positions. If the Chiefs, and this is not, I, this is not crying over spilled milk. This isn't me launching into doing another Marcus Peters show. But legitimately, if the Chiefs still had Marcus Peters... I would feel extremely different about this draft. Because, again, my biggest issue, reaching on these guys is is worrisome. The value they got for these guys is not my favorite. But the biggest problem is they didn't address their biggest hole. Marcus Peters on this roster would have prevented that hole from ever existing. So, legitimately, this entire season, this whole season is going to rightfully have Marcus Peters floating around it because you're not going to be able to help but wonder what does it look like when you add him? And the Chiefs didn't even try to replace him. 
Maybe you think Kendall Fuller was trying to replace him, but now you're trying to replace your number two corner. The secondary wasn't good enough last year. And it got worse this offseason. I've been banging the drum on that this whole time. That was my logic for why I thought the Chiefs would draft a corner with one of their first three picks. And they didn't. All right, I'm taking another break on the little bit on the, the short end here, because whenever we come back, I'm going to give you... I'm going to try to get through all this before we talk to Kent. If not, we'll get to it later in today's show. We are going to... We have two hours to do this. Uh, but whenever we come back, we're definitely going to talk about at least the uh, the rest of the picks from day two. Derek Nadi and Dorian O'Daniel try to explain where those guys fit in for the Chiefs. And then, ideally, we'll get through the rest of the draft, and uh, then we'll have Kent tell us what we missed. That's all coming up next. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports. I'm still trying to find a site that has Alex Smith on one of these. I'll do some more research and come back to you. You, you talk about football. Please, please. You talk about actual football. Please come back to me with more research. For sure. Is this the best we've ever done? Private browser. <laughs> with Joshua Briscoe. Get it together. But just a reminder. If you, I found one. Oh. On ESPN Kansas City. Context. That was when you were trying to find a list of the most handsome quarterbacks in football. Alex Smith criminally underrated as a handsome quarterback. Uh, gotta get to all the things about the draft here. Ah, God, some I do like when people comment on Facebook. I really do. Uh, but a comment from Aaron which kills me. I'm just dead. I'm dead. It says he says Peters is gone. Get over it. Um, also, just kind of for kicks, I saw that Marcus Peters is actually in Aaron's cover photo on Facebook. I just had to hover, hover, just hovered over his name, and it pops up, and I can see Marcus Peters in his cover, which is just, it's just fun. It makes me laugh. Um. But here's the thing, man. I'm not just... Oh, boy. I I was going to use one of those fringe words that I don't feel super confident in saying on radio that I know isn't an FCC violation. How about you don't? I'm not gonna. I'm going to use a different phrase to say it. I'm not just baselessly whining about the Chiefs, the Chiefs trading Marcus Peters. I'm saying that this whole season is going to exist through that prism of how would this team look different if they didn't give away one of the five best cornerbacks in football. Like, that's reasonable, man. This season's also going to be viewed through the prism of how would this offense look different with with uh, Alex Smith. Last year was viewed through the prism of how would this offense look different with Pat Mahomes. That's how this works, man. You had Marcus Peters and sent him away. You expect us to forget about that? Because you don't like him? That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous thing to ask for. It's a ridiculous thing to expect. Peter's just gone. Get over it. I, w- I will not. It's not about getting over it or letting it go. This is something that Seth, Seth Kaiser and I, I love Seth. And he, I think that we just have this fundamental disagreement on some level about how, about if you can talk about Marcus Peters or not. I'm no longer complaining about the Chiefs trading Marcus Peters for too little. That's gone. That's something I'm, I don't even talk about anymore. I, I acknowledge to a, to a small extent that I, I think the Chiefs traded Marcus Peters for too little, but that's not what I was saying. What I was saying is that this team has a a cornerback problem, and for a, a time in this offseason, they had a cornerback surplus. They had the best cornerback duo in football, top five at least, whenever they had Marcus Peters and Kendall Fuller. And the best corner group in football, top five at least, where they had Peters and Fuller and Steven Nelson. 
So for me to say that this group is worse without Marcus Peters and now that's something that you have to contend with is not something I need to get over. It's something that's just going to be a part of this season. It's something that this, this administration is going to have to deal with. You hold these people accountable for the moves that they make. And if this defense looks good without Marcus Peters, then they'll be able to talk about it and praise this team for doing the right thing. And if it looks bad without Marcus Peters, and if they have bad play from their second cornerback, and Kendall Fuller isn't a one, or David Emerson or Steven Nelson aren't a two, then you have to be able to look back at this group and say, you made a mistake. It's, it's just not that, I don't think this is that complicated. I, I don't think it's that ridiculous to say, hey, they took a big swing and made a big move. And a move that was largely, that certainly was not an obvious move, a very critiquable move. They, 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 made that, they made that happen, and then now we're supposed to forget that they did that? Bleep off, man! What are you talking about? What do you mean, what do you mean get over it? Do you do that for everything in football, or just for the players that you're glad are gone? Yay, they traded Alex Smith, man, yep, no, get over it. Don't even don't I do not want to hear those two words again. Don't say AS's name. Nope, not this season. New era. Don't hey listen, they, these guys they drafted, they're here now. Do not mention anyone that they didn't draft. It's like they excommunicate the players. Yeah, we we wipe them from the records. Just we this no. Every player that leaves this team is Voldemort now. What are you talking about? Listen, man, if you if you would just like to say, hey, I'm glad that Marcus Peters is gone, please cut out the middleman. Please save us the trouble. Like, why is it so hard to be reasonable about this? I guess it's because you hate him. I guess. I don't know. I don't even mind. I don't mind, again, I don't mind not talking about the value they got from I don't. I'm not here to just keep poking the bear on, hey, the Chiefs should have gotten more from Marcus Peters. I'm really over that. Like, because because that that can't change. But part of the thing I expected from that, part of the thing I expected from the trade of Marcus Peters was that the Chiefs were going to reinvest back in the cornerback position in the draft or free agency, and they didn't, except for the tune of David Emerson. I just... It's, it's mind-boggling to me. That the response to that is ever, get over it. I will not. I will not get over it for no good reason. Tell me why I should get over it. Why I can't talk about a guy that was on this roster six months ago and isn't now at a, at a position of tremendous need. If the Chiefs would have traded away Alex Smith to hand the team over to Tyler Bray, would you tell me to get over the trade of Alex Smith? Or or if the Chiefs last year would have would have traded up and not drafted a quarterback, and then traded Alex Smith. And we talked about how good Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes looked for two other teams. Would you tell me to get over that? I don't think you would. We evaluate moves that are made, and for the move that the Chiefs made, the risky move of trading away Marcus Peters, they have to be open for evaluation to that end. And at, at, a, at a position now of obvious weakness... At a position of obvious need. We're not allowed to talk about it? And Aaron says, he says, Glad Smith and Peters are both gone. Fine, but those guys are both within the realm of things that we can talk about. Also, David says that this shirt is the reason I shouldn't do radio with video. 
I'm like assuming he means your shirt, not my bicycle repairman he shirt. He means my shirt. This shirt was literally my grandpa's. Okay, then. I like this shirt. You can go to hell, too, David. Wow. Just take out the rest <laughs> of the commenters, why don't you? <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Mostly. It's just, it's just so frustrating to, the phrase get over it is so frustrating and it's so demeaning. It's just, what am I, you want me, you want me to forget these players are gone now? That feels like, that feels like malpractice on my part. David says he's a troll and he's just kidding. I don't. I would like for you to write a full book report, please, about how much you appreciate the shirt that I'm wearing. That's harsh. And Keith says it has a pineapple on it. It has pineapples and palm trees, and I like the colors. Yeah, I like the shirt a lot. I don't think my grandpa ever cuffed it at the sleeves. No, I feel like that wouldn't have. No, that probably wasn't in fashion then. But I, I like it. I like this shirt. And Keith says, tell us how you really feel. I, I know that Keith is here for it. But, like, even that, like, I, I just, I, I don't even understand exactly why this bothers me so much. And I also realize that the last, like, five or ten minutes of me talking about this is legitimately the most animated I've been about anything since the Chiefs drafted Pat Mahomes or traded Marcus Peters. But the, but the idea of just, hey, forget that this thing happened is so at its core dismissive of something worthy of conversation that it really annoys me. Just re- re- that re- really gets my goat. I think you get a year of how would this team have looked with with player X on it or without player X on it. Probably. And then after that, you're, it's just kind of like, yeah, you're probably maybe, riding maybe. that a little bit that, too much. That might be fair. That might be fair. I think you might even get a little more juice in this Peter situation. Because we know how much time the Chiefs could have controlled Marcus Peters. But that but after a year the team starts to look so different that I think you're probably right, Beards. After after a full season, you're probably at a point where you're saying, Hey, now listen, the Chiefs have made moves now that they, they wouldn't have made if they did have Peters, yada yada yada. Because there was a old time stretch there where it was we were seeing it was Mahomes plus Peters plus Fuller. And then it just became not that. Right. We're, that's what we were hoping we were going to see, and then we didn't. Right. And especially this year, the Chiefs the Chiefs went from having again a surplus of cornerback talent to having uh, to having a, a, a void of it, and they didn't invest that way again. Back in the defense, Aaron says we haven't seen the impact of not having Peters. That's all, I'm saying. You have to see the impact of it. We're already the impact of it right now is we went from a top five corner to David bleeping Emerson. Use your imagination. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm a little sorry. All right. We'll talk to Ken Swanson next. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe on ESPN Kansas City. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports. I think we had a Patrick Mahomes jersey over in the 8 studio. We did. I, know we I did. don't know what's happened to that. Oh, I'm sorry. 
as a medium, so I'm currently on a starvation diet so I can fit into it. With Joshua Briscoe. I mean, uh, we had a, a Patrick Mahomes jersey that just disappeared? Woo, spooky! On ESPN Kansas City. All right, listen, I got 30 more seconds on Mark, the Marcus Peters discussion we're having. And I didn't want to have this discussion today. Don't tell me to get over it. Brent tweeted me and said, I'm thinking of the Chiefs see it as replacing Peters with Fuller instead of just losing Peters, which is, of course, a terrible way to look at it. I'm with you on that. And um, and Keith said, uh, I hear you. I, I don't know many b- bigger Peters fans than me, but he's gone. I just can't hang on to the trade. I've got to look into what uh, is to come, not just what I wish they still had. That's also fair. I get that. That's fine. But you have to look at the things the Chiefs gave away and then didn't attempt to recoup. That's what I'm saying is is troublesome here. They traded away Marcus Peters and then, and added Kendall Fuller, obviously, but then didn't reinvest in corner. So this year is going to, like it or not, this year is going to partially be viewed through the funnel of how does this defense look different with Marcus Peters? And also partially how he plays in uh, Los Angeles. I'm annoyed. I, I just, like, I had I have so much stuff to talk about today from the draft and everything. You're literally foaming from the mouth. I was sneezed. Sneeze isn't foam, necessarily. It's sneeze. You were literally sneezing at the mouth. That's true. All right, now, just because clearly this show hasn't been aggravated enough today, and I really feel like it wasn't that aggravated until Marcus Peters came up. Beard does not. Beards, Beards tells me whenever I seem aggravated or I'm being aggravating. It wasn't until the Peter segment that we accidentally just did. You were, like, despondent a little bit during some of the drafts. Yeah. You're like, why'd they do this? <laughs> right. Why? And right. then Peter, it was just like, ah! Because <sighs> I, I wasn't even... All right, no. I don't want to keep Kent on hold for a month. <sighs> it's just so frustrating to me, because I feel like the conversation isn't that, isn't that ridiculous, but whatever. I digress. I truly do. We're now joined by Kent Swanson. He's at Kent underscore Swanson on Twitter. He's on everywhere on Arrowhead Pride. And uh, he did an amount of pre-draft work that, for most people, I would say, allows him to be considered uh, an expert on this topic, except for that one guy on Twitter who would not stop tweeting, at Kent, why is your top 100 so special? Uh, Kent, do you have anything for that guy? Oh, man. That, uh, that guy wore me out a little bit. I have a whole segment inspired by him later in today's show called Twitter Won't Get Off My Bleep, uh, and he he's featured. I will be listening. <laughs> <laughs> um, fight, my, fight my battles for me, please. That'd I will. Be great. I will. I, man, draft, the draft weekend was really, really hard for me on Twitter because there were so many responses to things that, that I was saying, things that you were saying, things that Seth was saying, things that literally anyone was saying – because there's kind of there's a, a a weird default setting I think for a lot of Chiefs fans to just immediately want to defend the organization because you want the organization to be doing well, uh, but w- whenever you do that, even reasonable criticism gets gets painted as as hating, um, and I know that you were privy to a lot of that. So can you kind of just can you can you in your own words and in long form as opposed to a tweet explain what your what your understanding was of what the Chiefs did, what your takeaways were from what the Chiefs did, and what you thought about what their overall draft takeaway was. Yeah, maybe I can get people to put some pitchforks down here. Um, you know, here's, okay, I don't hate what the Chiefs did. Mm-hmm. In fact, I I like 
most of what the Chiefs did, mm-hmm. uh, especially from round three on. Yep. But the Chiefs, I believe, made a mistake investing in defensive end, edge, D lineman, whatever you want to call him. Breland speaks in a trade up in the second round. If mm-hmm. any, if the if that pick was different. I think I would feel great about this draft because I understand what they did from rounds three on. That pick specifically, I don't know how I feel about it yet. I have a specific question that I've asked myself and answered myself, and I'm guessing you'll be in a similar place. How does your evaluation of the draft change if the Chiefs trade up the exact same pick, which is still a lot, they trade up to, what was it, 46, and instead of drafting Breland Speaks, they draft Isaiah Oliver. How does that change your overall takeaway from this draft? Uh, well, I would feel great because you have sound clips of me talking about Isaiah Oliver mm-hmm. trade up. But um, no, I, I would feel great. I think I think if you look at this draft and say, okay, they got their clear cut upside starter at cornerback in Isaiah Oliver. They've got a good run stopping defensive lineman in Derek Nighy, and then they added a dynamic piece to their sub packages in Dorian O'Daniel on the second night of the draft. Mm-hmm. I think I would feel infinitely better. But it's that one pick where they decided that they were going to put their eggs into that basket in a trade-up uh, with a guy that it's widely viewed as a third-round prospect at best. Uh, that's where I get a little uncomfortable, and I, I don't know how great I feel about where they're heading right now with this draft class. And again, I just we'll talk about Speak specifically because I do want to get where you're at on that. But this is why we ended up getting to talking about Marcus Peters. It's not because I'm a scorned lover. It's not just because of that, at least. It's because... A little bit. It's a little be- bit no, I am. But it's because... Truly, though, it's because... I, I said if this team has Marcus Peters on it, this draft is completely is completely different for me. I'm willing to say, you know what? You gamble and invest in Speaks as a project pass rusher. That's okay because there isn't a glaring, glaring need that exists at corner. Is that fair, to say, again, to say just really, I mean, you kind of said this with Oliver, I guess, already. If the Chiefs have two definitely good starting cornerbacks, we're not, we're not so despondent here today. Oh. Uh... I mean, sure. I like. I don't. I don't even know if like. I, I know you're. I know you're scared of the corner group right now. Yes, I am. And Petrified. I know we've had this conversation. I know we've had this conversation several times on air, off air. Mm-hmm. I. I think they. I think they have enough in the building to put together a good group at that position. Isaiah Oliver would have been a clear help and a probably day one starter but even if they had gone if they'd gone a different direction at 50 at 46 54 whatever you want to call it and it was just a a different player that i i like better i think i would feel better about that class even if they didn't invest in the cornerback position until around six so it's it's kind of it's kind of a i don't i'm not as scared of this corner group as much as as maybe you are Mm -hmm. i just feel like they could have gotten better talent at 46 or 54 Okay, I'm going to stop cornering you into the corner conversation after one more thing that I want to. I just want to throw at you and tell you, see, tell me if this makes sense, um, and then yeah. I, I want to hear what you think they should have done in that spot and what you think about Breland Speaks. But after seeing the full draft, I think that what the Chiefs ultimately will end up doing goes something like this: in the draft, they legitimately took in three back-to-back-to-back picks three guys that somewhere on their resume says that they can play in the slot. Uh, for Dorian O'Daniel, it's probably against uh, you know kind of a modern tight end, and then Watts and Traymon Smith for for speedier guys, I would suppose. Um, so my thought is that the Chiefs have Fuller and Nelson 
and they and they believe that those guys can can hold on to the outsides. And instead of having either of those guys bump into the slot, which what I thought the ideal situation would be, they're going to let those rotating three guys try to make that slot corner position work depending on the matchup, and it helps them with matchups that often sort of spurn other teams. Does that seem reasonable? Uh, I think yeah, you you you're you're close. I do think you're they're gonna lean on they're gonna lead on David Anderson more than you believe. This is what I'm trying uh, to work so, around. Yeah, that's what I you're right. That's what I'm trying to hide from. I know. Uh, I think I think he'll be in there whenever they're using three corners at for the time being. It's going to be Emerson with Fuller kicking inside. That that's uh, that's or, the or best Nelson. for the slot spot. That's the best thing for the slot corner position is to move Fuller in. No question. Yeah, right. Uh, but I do I do agree with you in the sense that like all three of those guys do have some kind of ability to add to those subgroups. So they're going to be able to mix and match. They're going to be they're going to have more flexibility. They're going to have more talent to work with. Mm-hmm. If they need to come up with an alternative, which is David Emerson sucks and Kendall Fuller's got to stick outside, so let's throw bodies at him on the interior. That's fair. Okay, so go ahead now. Let's go back to Speaks. Um, you you are saying that you have more of a problem with specifically the value they gave up for Speaks and the pick of Speaks in general. Uh, what else did you see at that spot, either at 46 or 54, for either the edge position, uh, other, other options there, or just in the draft as a whole? I think... I would have been fine with Isaiah Oliver there. Mm-hmm. I would have been fine with uh, even even if, if you're going to go big edge players like Breland Speaks wasn't even my favorite big edge in that mold. Like, give me there's a there's a kid named Rasheem Green who's 20 years old, so he's like even younger than you, Josh. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, even if they're going to go in the mold of I want this type of player, he wasn't even my favorite big edge on the board. Yeah. Uh, there was there was probably six. How far does that go? Is it a lack of understanding of the Speaks pick or the overall um, philosophy, or is it is it trading up both for Speaks and also for Derek Nadia, a guy who's probably not going to be on the field uh, at least on third downs and maybe not much this season in general? I could have explained the way I could have explained the way the the Nadia yeah. trade up if they had done something different at forty six. I yeah. just I think you know like. Here, Joshua, let's just let's workshop some analogies that I've been working on. I saved them all for you because I wanted to see what you thought. I'm so excited. Just, I'm so ready yeah. for the analogies. Let's 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 give me these three and we'll, we'll see which one you like best. Okay. We'll start with an easy one. I think they had a grocery list, mm-hmm. and I think they set out to get specific ingredients for this team. Mm-hmm. Now there was a great deal on a piece of meat sitting there, but they were hell-bent on getting the ingredients that they wanted to get. Mm-hmm. How, how do you feel about that one? I think that's, I think that's pretty warm. They, they went there for a veggie platter. There was a great deal on a full deli platter, and they decided to go ahead and overpay for the veggies. And you're just making my analogy better. Okay, let's try this one. <laughs> I, you're, you're, you're really helping me this. So whenever I'm, I yeah. see on you with a different radio station, I'll just whip out whichever <laughs> one we, we like the best here. Um, okay. Perfect. Let's let's go with uh, let's go with this. Um, you know, the Chiefs didn't have a first year head coach, mm-hmm. but they drafted kind of like they had a first year head coach and GM trying to establish a culture. Yes, agreed. 
Okay. All right, you like that one. Which one Which one do you like better? Oh, Beard just made a great point, though. Oh, man, sorry. I like the first one better because Beard just, just whispered in my ear, with a guy that got thrown out of two games and had a DUI in college? <laughs> That's a really good point, Beards. Um I think I Ooh. think it's an on-field culture, but like Marcus Peters was also good for that on-field culture of kind of nastiness and turnovers. So, um, good job, Beards. Maybe yeah. I should, should I be talking to Beards right now. Or I'm, well, I hey, know. hey, I've got one, and Beards has one. We're even. Yeah, there we go. All right, let's, let's, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back into the way back machine here. Okay, Joshua. When I, I how old were you in 2010? Um, 14. Or do you? Okay. No, 16, 16, 16, 16. Oh. Okay. I was, doing, uh, I was working backwards. Okay. Let's, let's, let's go back to... What year did he say? 2010? 2010. 16. 2010. Okay. Let's, uh, let's go with this one. It's, let's take away the first round pick for the Kansas City Chiefs, okay? Mm-hmm. And let's go with... This reminded me of rounds two through seven of the Scott Pioli 2010 draft. Delicious. Where okay. They set out to get team captains. Mm-hmm. They set out to get players of high character mm-hmm. to help establish this culture of winning that they were trying to create there. Mm-hmm. And they reached for a slot corner with the 36th pick in the draft in Javier Arenas. Mm-hmm. They reached for a little undersized gadget weapon in Dexter McCluster at pick 50. And they reached for a tight end in Tony Moyaki in the third round. Mm-hmm. They wanted a specific type. They wanted to add some kind of quality, and they got it, but they didn't get the talent. Yeah. What do you think? I had that thought during the draft as they were talking about the guys. And then again, you know, the the ejections in DUI notwithstanding at the very top of this draft. I I think that that, that, it seemed like they came into this draft with a specific mold. I think the only tweak I would have on that is I don't think that I don't think they can make an argument that has something to do with character that it's a character it's not, of guys, but about a type right. of a type of football player. It wasn't, and yeah, the analogy stops at they wanted something specific. They didn't yes. want character necessarily this year. I mean, I'm sure some of these guys definitely do. Like yeah, whatever. Daniels, but they wanted toughness. They yeah. wanted physicality and toughness, and that's what they set out to get. And I don't think they got the value in trying to identify that specifically. Now, this could all work out very easily. I don't wanna I don't wanna make it sound like I'm super pessimistic about this. There's still some value to all these players. It's just they didn't think that they needed to try to hit a home run here. They yeah. were just trying to hit singles and doubles. Yeah. And it could very well help Chris Jones be better and Anthony Hitchens and Reggie Ragland be better, but they weren't doing what they've done, which is every year that John Dorsey was here, he had a guy that was kind of the the uh, the the crown jewel of that class with mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt. With mm-hmm. you know, I don't see that this year, me and neither. that's what's stressing me out about what they did. I, I guess if I had to pick a guy, Armani Watts seems like he has an ability to be one of those kind of like, and this is it. This is an overstatement because this guy's a Hall of Famer. But it, like trying trying his best to be Ed Reed, like that kind of that that seems like maybe he has the potential. He he at least has I think the clearest path to playing time, and that's your sixth. That's your your fourth round pick. Right, he does. I mean, in in he he's got some of the he's got the instincts and ball skills to be productive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's still some concerns about the, about his athletics, uh, athletic testing, and sure. some of that stuff, but. That's me trying to be optimistic. Yeah, I mean, I, I still, I still don't, I don't see, I don't see the chance of a star. I was, I, I was excited about Kareem Hunt. 
Yeah. I was I was Me thrilled too. with Kareem Hunt. I thought he had a chance to do exactly what he did. This this year with 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 Armani Watts, I don't have any expectations like that. Correct. Yes, I agree with you. Yeah, and that's that's something else that and I I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's common to be able to find that guy later on. You take a running back in a middle round, and it gives you that option. Tyreek Hill was obviously a, an exception because you're taking a receiver with incredible talent because of his incredible uh, his incredible off the field problems. Whenever your first round pick is basically, or your, I guess your first pick is Tano Passanio, which is what it kind of feels like this year. Uh, right. It's hard to expect that guy, and your whenever your third round pick, your, your first third round pick. You know what? Actually, I'm not going to say this. I'm just going to here, here's a speed round. The Chiefs' first three picks this year, I think, were Tano Passanio, Xavier Williams, and Daniel Sorensen on rookie contracts. Uh, yeah, you're you're pretty close. Like and that like, sucks. It, it does. And actually, it's funny that you mention it about Sorensen. I'm sorry. I know we're sidebarring a little bit. No, here, it's fine. Like, you're good. Go both of those guys. Both those guys have. Very high testing in the twenty yard shuttle and the uh, uh, like the short shuttle. Mm-hmm. I think they. I think if I remember correctly, both had both Dorian O'Daniel and Dan Sorensen. They both have Dan in their name. Actually, how do I not notice that this? Time I have around? in my uh, notes. I have the phrase Dorian O'Daniel Sorensen. I will be using that. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, it is. Dan O'Daniel. Like the, Ooh, the, the also good. With both of those in is Dan O'Daniel. That's also good. Uh, they both they both have they do have some similar traits. So it might be that Dorian O'Daniel is just cheap Dan. Yeah. And see, and those are moves. I don't know if I tweeted this or said this to you or just wrote this down somewhere. I legitimately cannot remember. It feels like a it feels like a Patriots type draft from a team that isn't the Patriots right now. Like. It feels like a team that's saying, all right, we need a Daniel Sorensen type, and we need a guy in the middle, and we need an edge rusher, and we would like to have all those guys on rookie contracts so we can be investing elsewhere a year or two from now. And I think that's a perfectly fine way to build the base of a team, but it also really feels like a team that's that's building and buying things cheaply for a year or two down the road whenever your window with Pat Mahomes is pretty small. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with some of that. I do think a lot of these guys still have a clear path to being contributors right away. So I don't know if it's as much of a long-term view as it is just trying to help other players that are already on the roster maximize their talents. Not letting 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 Chris Jones have a little bit more freedom. Let trying to keep Anthony Hitchens and Reggie, Reggie Ragland clean. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, they, they these guys still all have clear paths to playing right away. Derek Nottie will play right away. I don't have any. I don't have any doubt about that. Uh, Brett Veach is fully intent on getting Breland Speaks reps right away, and then Dorian O'Daniel, the same thing. He's going to be a core special teamer, and he'll be a, he'll be on the field in dime personnel. I, I'm pretty confident of that. But what's where's the ceiling to this? Where's where's your where's your star? Where's your chance at a star? Yep. Are they content with all the stars that they? I mean, yeah, they've hit on a lot of guys. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but. I think they could have done a lot of the same things they're trying to accomplish right now and went a different route at 46-54. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, another thing that gets brought up a lot that I'd like to get your perspective on is people saying, hey, like the defense was, was a problem against the Titans. The, the run defense was a problem. The pass rush was a problem. And the thing I keep going back to, like Leonard asked, wasn't, wasn't the lack of a pass rush a big problem as well? Um, a great pass rush helps the secondary, and it, and it does. But last year... 
the, the difference between the defense before the draft this year and the defense that the Chiefs had last year is already gigantic. Because as we've talked about, they, they added Xavier Williams in the middle of this defense. They added Anthony Hitchens in the middle of this defense. Uh, Eric Berry is returning from injury. Alan Bailey returning from injury. And um, and I'm, I've lost someone else. There's another uh, injured guy that was coming back that I lost my train of thought on. Did you say D Ford? I didn't say D Ford. That was the other guy I was looking for. Thank you. That was the pass rusher. They're they're bringing back a lot of guys and also adding a lot of guys pre-draft. To me, it just it feels like it feels like they they've acknowledged that problem, but now they've done it with like seven acquisitions plus like three or four guys returning from injury. I don't want to say it's overkill because I don't know if you can have overkill whenever it comes to defensive talent, especially because the offense feels about right. It's just that point you keep going back to of. Where's the right. star in this? Where's the game? Where's the where's the playmaker? The game changer? Is there even a three down guy on this roster? And I just don't see it right now. Yeah, it's probably a little bit of an overcorrection. You're right. Um, I do think, and this is where the disconnect between what a lot of us think and what the Chiefs think. Think the Chiefs think Breland Speaks is a three down potential stud. Yeah, and he very well could be. He very well could be. He's got the athletic traits. If there, I would be lying to you if I said that there wasn't upside to what he can no, bring to the table. Of course there is. There, there is. But the level of trust I have in him to reach whatever ceiling he has at this point is not as high. Uh, it's a fourth-round value high yep. for me. I think he's a great developmental early day three. If you take him late day two, if you pick 100, yep. I'm probably feeling okay. For sure. But he wasn't. He was pick 46, and you gave up. And you readjusted some assets. Uh, you readjusted one of your third-round picks yeah. to 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 trade up for him. So instead of getting 54, 78, and 86, you had 54, 86, and 100 before they had to give up a fourth-round grade or fourth-round pick to go and grab Naughty. Yep. So it was just the usage and the allocation of the assets and the players. One of the players, just one player that they used that they went and grabbed. Like I just I took issue with it. And it's so weird for me because we talk about Brett Beach being aggressive. We spend this whole time just in awe of how how much he's going for it and how aggressive he is. Well, you would you would think, and I thought, and I was wrong going into this draft. You were saying, okay, Brett Beach is going to go get some guys with some ceiling to him, yep, you know, or with a high ceiling to him, you know, you know, like some some big upside. No, he didn't swing for the fences in this draft. Mm-hmm. He was aggressive in the sense that he was aggressively pursuing the guys he wanted in a specific type of player he wanted. And that's what's just, it's really throwing me off. Like, yeah. do you feel like you have, an, uh, have a feel for what Brett Beach is as a drafter after one draft? Do you even have any kind of feel? I guess at this point, also considering that he went and gave big money to Anthony Hitchens and also traded for Reggie Ragland and went and, and paid for Xavier Williams, I'm starting to get a feel, I think, for the, that he puts a tremendous amount of of weight on kind of the middle of a defense, but he also went and the the big part of the Alex Smith trade was Kendall Fuller, so that kind right. of throws me out a little bit. Um, so I'm not I, well, I, that's the closest I've got, but the answer is not really. I guess I just I I think about like look at what he did with Pat Mahomes, right? Look at his look at look at the upside and the belief and the just just like the amount of you know energy, time, effort, and passion he put into trying to find the quarterback with the highest feeling, but it seems like he's doing he's doing the inverse almost All right, a little hey. bit with how he approached the first draft. Yeah, you know what? Let's try this then. It seems like Brett Veach is trying to win with the offense and not lose with his defense. And I don't know that's a bad strategy, but it, I think that's the best I've got right now. 
And is, I, I think you're right. I think you're close. I think you're very close on that statement. And I think part of the reason that, like, specifically Derek Nadi is here is because they want to be better in sub-run defense mm-hmm. situations. So, and like, they're trying fine. to stop the run from their nickel defense, which is fine. You're right. And these are all – like, I can you, – you can talk me into rounds three through six very easily. I like a lot of what they did rounds three through six. It's yeah. just – you know, you had a chance to get value at 46, and I think you took 80 cents, 70 cents on the dollar. Yeah. And at that spot, there's a very good chance Speak slides to you at 54. Uh, Isaiah Oliver ended up falling past you at 54. I think it was like 59 or something to the Falcons, if I remember correctly. Yeah, something like that. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just kind of hard to, it's kind of hard to stare that down. Um, did you have anything for those those last three picks? I saw what you wrote about Watts and Traymon Smith and also Khalil McKenzie, which is you know a, a kind of another can of worms. It's, it's a sixth round pick. It's kind of fun what they're doing there, I think. Um, but you used a phrase at least with um, with one of those one of those secondary guys. I thought was funny. You said that that you think I think it was Smith. You said you, you think he has a good chance to make the roster, and I think that's the appropriate language. I think that is the actual trajectory of a sixth round cornerback you think you hope that guy makes the roster but I felt like it was a nice reality check for a fan base that in the sixth round saw a corner finally added to this team and then decided that the long national nightmare was over right yeah no it I I I saw some of those reactions that people like some people think that like like I've compared to like Tremont Smith to a first round talent named Jair Alexander yeah I saw that they play similar yeah, uh, the, the Chiefs didn't get Jair Alexander in the sixth round. Correct. They still they still got a developmental corner who hasn't played against elite talent that has a lot of traits that you like that need to be developed. And you know, it, I wish more I wish more fans would have listened to the post selection press conference from Willie Davis, who said his path to this roster is special teams. Yeah, they said it right. explicitly. Yeah. Said you know. If he wants to, if he wants to make this roster and get a shot, he needs to be good on special teams. So, uh, you know, people are tempted, and this is probably driving you nuts. One, the the one that really sees a huge glaring hole at the corner position is like terrified of of who they have in that building right mm-hmm. now. This is probably terrifying to you to see that reaction to that, and also, you know, the fact that. The only cornerback that they invested in is a guy that they think needs to be good on special teams to make the roster. Yep. Yes, it's it is it's either a huge investment in David Amerson, which makes me want to borrow for it's a huge investment in Bob Sutton, which makes me only slightly less queasy. I think I I will say this, and you're gonna hate this too. I already do. Uh, oh god. <laughs> uh, I think Bob Sutton has everything he needs to work with. And yes. I think you're gonna see. I see. I think they're gonna go back to some of the things that they were successful with before. And you're gonna hate me. You're gonna hate go me ahead. too. Yep. Before they had a cornerback that was freelancing a lot. Uh, the one, the, the the Bob Sutton that held the the Raiders to 15 points without without Marcus Peters. Yep. Uh, I think you're gonna see more of that. And and I agree. I at least agree that if we don't, then Arrowhead is going to burn next year. Because yeah. this offseason, now obviously Sammy Watkins notwithstanding, this offseason was about acquiring defensive talent for Bob Sutton and for his defense. I, I, I think right. that is completely unquestionable where, again, Sammy Watkins being the, the exception here, 
this offense was Anthony, or this, this offseason was Anthony Hitchens and Xavier Williams and the entire bleeping draft until the defensive tackle that you're going to turn into a guard. So, yes, this right. is Bob Sutton. I don't know if Bob Sutton will have this defense return to where it needs to be, but he'd better. He will. I, 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 well, I, I can't say he will definitively. I think he, I think he will be able to. I think he has a chance to be able to. The truth of the matter is, though, this whole season, whatever happens with the defense, whatever, it's all on Pat Mahomes. Yep. And if Pat Mahomes is good, we're, the Chiefs are going to be good, and we're going to have a lot of fun, and we're going to give Bob Sutton more credit than maybe he deserves, or mm-hmm. you know maybe Bob Sutton just comes out and they dominate. Mm-hmm. Maybe this maybe this whole thing is just a perfectly melded formula for success, but it all is going to depend on whether or not Pat Mahomes is good anyway. Yep. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, Kent, give everybody uh, how to find your post-draft podcast and anything else that you want to plug. Yeah, we got one more podcast before we close it down for the years. The AP Chiefs Draft Show is going to come out later this week. Full review of every player and even undrafted free agents because I have a sickness I can't get away from. Is there is there a, a undrafted free agent that the Chiefs have brought in that you're excited about that you can tease us with and then get more information in the podcast? There's four. (laughs) Give us, okay, hold on here. Do this for me. Do this for me. Can you give us the four positions and then make people come to the podcast for names and breakdowns? Oh, thank you, Joshua, for this wonderful setup for teeth. Yeah. Uh, How about a quarterback with a Q? Yes. Two cornerbacks with a C. Yes. And the 34th running back on the roster. (laughs) Oh, very exciting. Okay, that's good. I hope that I have I hope that I have have tantalized the audience enough to go listen to that. I guess now I'm gonna have to do that. That backfired. Now I have to go listen to your dumb podcast. Yeah, that's uh, that's your fault, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, Kent. Yeah, thanks, man. Kent Swanson, Airhead Pride at Kent underscore Swanson on Twitter, and then all the things he just uh, teased. <sighs> I don't feel any better. Like I think this defense. I I think the point we got to on Bob Sutton is good and close and and accurate. I, I the point with Brett Veach, excuse me, is that Brett Veach wants to win with the offense and not lose with his defense. And the investment is clear. They've invested in the offense deeply. This year they've invested in the depth of the defense, so they just can't bleep it up. And that's the goal. Will it happen? I don't know. Whenever we come back, I'm going to give you my thoughts on the rest of this draft. And uh, eventually we're going to get to the segment I've been teasing all day about the tweeters that will not get off my bleep, including uh, a guy who was tweeting about... Um, about that cornerback we were just talking about in a comparison to a previous guy who used to play cornerback on this roster. That's next. You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports. Tomorrow we'll start by talking about what I would do if I was in Andy Reid's shoes. Uh, first of all, I'd buy smaller shoes. With Joshua Briscoe. Donuts. <laughs> on ESPN Kansas City. I am disoriented, man. This show is flown by today. Because we have content. We have an actual thing to talk about. Not guessing about the draft and not pretending to, ooh, Isaiah Oliver. The, the phrase Breland Speaks has not been uttered on this show before today. Ever. I don't know if the phrase Breland Speaks had been uttered on Kansas City Radio leading up to the draft. Certainly not in conjunction with the Chiefs as a first-round draft pick. Or I guess their first draft pick, their second rounder that they traded up with. Kent is great. 
The content has been great. I hope you've enjoyed the show. As always, please make sure you like the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page because Beers and I have worked really hard to try to get the Facebook video, uh, the Facebook live stream every day to a point in production quality where it looks nice and to a place where we can just have it up and functioning every day. Um, and so at this, I know this is super backwards for a radio station and a radio show, but we would really like for you to watch this show on Facebook. The stream uh, looks good. It does. I don't know about us. Well, it's fine. The production quality is high. Yeah. You can't say anything for the casting. We didn't, we didn't cast this show. We just ended up here. Who would you have casted to play you on the Almost Entirely Sports uh, live stream? Uh, Josh Hutcherson from, uh, from the Hunger Games. That's pretty solid. It's a pretty... I, I like, that's just... That's the best actor comp I can come up with for me. What about you? Do you have one? Uh... Gosh, I just had the name. Now I'm blanking. Um, Are you going for kind of a gingerish beard? Because that's no, what I'm thinking about. Um, I don't know. Hold on. What about the kid who played um, Ron in Harry Potter? Please. That's that's it. Oh man, what's his name? Uh, for a show that has like 20 minutes, Rupert Grint. Tell Rupert oh, Grint. Okay, I got the name again. Okay. Uh, thing I lost it again. Wow, beards. <laughs> Holy bleep. James Earl Jones. <laughs> So if we're going to recast this show, it's going to be Josh Hutcherson from The Hunger Games and James Earl Jones. I think I think Rupert Grint. Pretty solid. Rupert Grint. Nah, he's beard. too ginger. You're pretty ginger. Oh, if he's wearing a hat also, like maybe he has to dye the beard a little bit darker. I think that's he's ginger. He is. I'm red. I don't I don't know. Yeah, but I'm having a mine, hard time. Mine actually can kind of fluctuate between red and kind of reddish brown. I'm having a hard time picking a better, a better option. James Will Jones is very close. Though. It is. It's really good. Samuel L. Jackson next. Yeah. Keith David. I don't know who that is. You'd recognize him if you saw him. I would have Andy Serkis motion capturing. Oh, him. yes. That's what I would do. I would want Andy Serkis in a, in, a green, in a green suit so we can have. You can be like a different animal every day. That sounds fun. That's good. Now would be blow. We've been financing this whole live stream ourselves. <laughs> that would be hard. Can you imagine trying to pay for motion capture into an like a tiger one day? Yeah, that's outside our budget. I think. I mean, it's what we currently bit. do is outside of our budget. But but we're is we, it, this is our budget, right? Yes, you're seeing our budget. So if you like the show, the po- like listening live is fantastic. Getting the podcast is fantastic. But no matter how backwards it is, Beards and I work the hardest on getting the Facebook stream to work, which, again, I know is super dumb. We know how silly it is, and that's true, but it's simply true. Um, okay, so I got to get back on track with a few things with this draft, um, and we're going to get to more of this throughout the week, of course. But I want to try to get you at least a little bit of everybody today. Um. After the Derek Naughty pick, everybody was super mad at me because the Chiefs gave up a lot to move up to 75 for a run stuffer. And whenever I hear about an interior defensive lineman who is described as a run stuffer who doesn't get to the quarterback, I think of a player who does the less difficult and less important part of being the middle of a defensive line in the modern NFL. I, I That's just where I end up with it. He could be a really, really good run stopper and for me still maybe not be worth a third and a fourth round pick, which is what the Chiefs ended up investing in him. Also, as I mentioned with, with Kent, we talked about a little bit with Pete around Marcus Peters and stuff. This pick would be harder for me to criticize if this was after the Chiefs had drafted a cornerback already. 
I, I had to warm up to this pick through the through the pre-draft process as, as a position need. I had to warm up to this specific pick over the weekend. But I don't mind putting some more effort into the front middle of your defense, along with Xavier Williams, to try to turn a weakness into at least a non-issue, if not a strength. I, I'm, I understand that. My overarching issue is still that the Chiefs left themselves vulnerable at one of the most important positions in football. Uh, also, Eric Eager, a pro football focus, tweeted, New Chiefs defensive tackle Xavier Williams was actually first in run stop percentage in his position group a season ago and cheap. Not sure where that fits in now. That's something that, that kind of frustrates me. Uh, the last pick of the third round was pick 100 with linebacker Dorian O'Daniel. And O'Daniel's really interesting because he's not really a linebacker. I was I was mad at this pick at the time, and I'm honestly still just frustrated because of the corner thing again. And, and Kent pointed out, like, Kent's optimistic about corner. I'm not. But uh, they, they could have jumped up to pick 98 and grabbed cornerback uh, Isaac, I think it's Yadom, the, uh, before the Broncos did at 99, but whatever. O- O'Daniel is, as, as Kent and I just talked about, I think basically it seems like he's going to, to be essentially the Chiefs' new, hopefully faster, certainly cheaper Daniel Sorensen. As I have liked to, as I have coined personally, Dorian O'Daniel Sorensen. He may get some work in the slot, but again, the Chiefs already have two corners who are better in the slot, Kendall Fuller and Steven Nelson. Now they have Dorian O'Daniel, and also their next two picks, Armani Watts and Traymond Smith, are both uh, good in the slot. Those are all guys who can play there, so it's not really going to be a problem. The good news there, though, is that the Chiefs can handle mismatches pretty well. Uh, Kent pulled me out a little bit before I got to this analysis, before I, yeah, I had to give some of it in that last segment, but... I'll give you a little more if I can here. O'Daniel's probably the Chiefs' second best cover, uh, second best guy to cover the modern NFL tight end behind Eric Berry. Also, he has very similar metrics to Cam Chancellor, the safety from the Seahawks. He's two inches shorter, but everything else is pretty much a mirror image, and that makes me feel good. If the Chiefs just drafted Cam Chancellor, I'm thrilled. And so, that's that's after two days of the NFL draft, and the Chiefs didn't add a day one starter, which does frustrate me. Yes. Uh, pick 124, safety Armani Watts is a center fielder who can't tackle, and this makes me so happy I could cry. He, he he's a safety who's going to play that kind of that again. I don't want to say Ed Reed because he's not Ed Reed, but a guy who's going to play. You can, this is actually him. You can play the song if you want. A guy who's going to play on defense center field. He's going to play that over-the-top safety role. He's, he's basically going to be the antithesis of uh, O'Daniel Sorensen. He's going to play Centerfield by John Fogarty. Also, somebody switched my TV from just normal ESPN Sports Center to Royals pregame. Lovely. Dang it! I don't want to see Ned. Um, I'm also really excited to see uh, lots of tweets from 40-year-old former high school defensive linemen about how the Chiefs have soft defensive backs. That really gave me life last year. I'm looking forward to getting more of that. Dan Shanka of Our Lads said that uh, Armani Watts is a four-year starter. He flashed playmaking ability with the knack, a knack to the turnover. He has fluid hips and smooth movements with very good change of direction, smooth backpedaling in deep zones, with the ability to flip his hips to get to the to a route. The Chiefs need all of those things so much. What happened there, Beards? Smooth hips, huh? Fluid hips, huh? Read that again. Just Fluid hips and smooth movements. Mm-hmm. Very good change of direction. Yep. Smooth backpedal into deep zones. You'd be able to flip his hips to get to a route. <clears throat> Are we doing phrasing anymore? The Chiefs need all of those things so badly. 
I could not possibly care less about his supposed tackling issues. Remind you of anybody? People will love Armani Watts as long as he doesn't do anything near the national anthem. I think that's what we can say for sure. I'm thrilled that they, the Chiefs added a guy like that. I don't know if he can play or not. I like the skill set. I like that risk at 124. I told you my new theory about the cornerback situation. I talked about it with Kent. My guess is that maybe they let Nelson and Fuller hold on those outside spots and then this cluster bleep array of other guys handle the slot, even though I do think it still makes the most sense for Fuller to kick in to the slot. The Chiefs don't have another outside guy other than David Emerson, which punched me in the face. Tres Paler had a tweet, said, This is good to hear. Willie Davis, the lead scout on safety, Armani Watts, said he took most of his gambles with help over the top. Makes him a risk taker, empowered by his scheme. Scheme? what I do there? I added a shoo, 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 shoo. He's a risk taker, empowered by his scheme. Should alleviate any concern there. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Also, Ian Wharton, who's at NFL Film Study on Twitter, said he thinks Watts will get the safety spot opposite Eric Berry. Maybe this is the Chiefs' lone day one starter. He also said he has an uncanny ability to find the ball. He has to be worth that has to be worth something. Plus, he'd make Daniel Sorensen the third safety, which is more natural. And I'm not even sure that oh Daniel Sorensen won't take over that spot. Me personally, uh, pick 196 cornerback Traymond Smith out of Central Arkansas apparently has good ball skills. Again, Trez Paler, who's now by the way moving on to Yahoo Sports and leaving Kansas City, which makes me very sad because he's an incredibly good reporter. Go tweet Trez and tell him goodbye, um, and that he's dead to us now. Not this show specifically. He, he sorry, we don't want you around anymore. Right? Yeah, t- run him out of town. For his, damn his success. Quitter! Uh, he said, Tramon Smith can play fast and athletic with ball production. He's also super confident. Just trust me. I trust Therese. I believe him. I believe him and I trust him. And I hope Tramon Smith makes this team beyond just being a special teamer. Five interceptions in four seasons with 52 passes broken up. 16 passes broken up and five picks last year per Matt Derrick of uh, Chief Digest. We're going to get through the last two picks here. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back with, with that Twitter segment. I've been promising this whole show. Um, also, Emery Hunt on Twitter said that Traymond Smith was his number two slot corner. Oh my goodness, slot guys. Last pick of the draft for the Chiefs was at pick 198. They did us, did us a favor by trading completely out of the seventh round, so none of us had to watch that, which was amazing. Is defensive tackle Khalil McKenzie, who they're moving to guard. That's son of Raiders GM Reggie McKenzie. I kind of love this. Not only because the Chiefs traded for a player that's the son of the Raiders GM. That is awesome. But I kind of love the idea of taking an average, uh, not even, I mean, just an end-of-draft defensive tackle and preparing to move him to guard. I think that's kind of fun. It kind of gives you the nasty demeanor of a defensive lineman on your offensive line. Also, like, I used to do this with Madden sometimes, and you take a defensive end that's kind of okay, you move him inside, and he goes from an 80 80 to an 86, and like, ooh, yeah, all right, let's just, why wouldn't we do this the whole time? Um, I'm kind of excited to see that play out. If it doesn't work, it's no big deal. It's pick 198. If it does work out, then you are getting a better guard at that spot than you thought was ever possible. Uh, also, the Chiefs have been really good at developing interior offensive linemen from late in the draft. I love Zach Fulton. I loved Laurent Deverde Tardif. Um, I, I liked Fulton more at the time, honestly. But I liked what the Chiefs did with those guys. They're doing it now with Kula McKenzie. Um, so the, the Chiefs really improved their depth over the draft. It just felt like a lot of picks of guys that are, are really mostly developmental guys. And I think I've made my position on that. Relatively clear. Also, I'm going to say this is pronounced Sinawida on Twitter. Said it very well. I said, I would be really happy with this draft if Peters was still on the roster. Said they forgot they traded away arguably the best cornerback in the league. They already have said that Fuller will play inside during nickel, which is most of the time. I'm with it on that. I'm with that take. 
if if this defense had a number one corner that could shut down the side of the field, then I would feel better about this draft and this defense as a whole. They don't, and so I'm a little bit confused why the Chiefs didn't address the cornerback spot sooner. All right, whenever we come back, Twitter will not give up, get off my bleep. Next. This is Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe. I'm Deshaun, I love you, you're the future. Uh, this is my Twitter impression. Oh, Deshaun Watson, you're the future. I love you. Oh, you got, you're going to dethrone Tom Brady. You're the new king of the AFC. He throws a pick. Oh, Deshaun, you're a, you're a bust. You're a scrub. Bring in Tom Savage. On 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. We'll get to more Twitter hands that were thrown in a minute here. Um, but two good pieces of input, both from... Kent Swanson and also from Steve Fitzpatrick. Steve has Tony Curran, I think, playing Beards. It's very good. And Kent ha- said that Josh Hutcherson has the personality of a damp towel. Younger, more handsome Jack Black, in my opinion, Jack Blonde. That's who's playing me in the Almost Tally Sports movie. You, you did have your hair dyed black for a while there, though. I did. Uh, you know who I think is playing you, Beards? Who? Simon Pegg. When he has not the, terrible. No, no. When he has the beard out, uh huh, it's pretty good. Outside of the Britishness, what's wrong with making you a little British? Uh, there's no problem with that at all. I think I would like it better if you were a little bit British. As I wear my Monty Python bicycle repair. Oh yeah, you it. like you? Yeah, you would yeah. hate that. No, I'm very into it. Okay, we've got so much to get to for like today. We legitimately could have done a four hour show with our eyes closed. Um, I did a two hour show with my eyes closed today. <laughs> nice. Um, I, I'll just go ahead now. We're going to go into our new segment called Twitter Won't Get Off Josh's Bleep. Twitter. I don't think I have music for this. Frank Hansel will not get off my bleep. Frank tweeted me, said, quote, you complain that they should draft defensive players. They draft defense and you complain. I think you just like to complain. Are you ever happy? Frank literally has the angriest Twitter timeline I've ever seen. I went and looked just to see if he just always does that. He does. Also, he is invalidated by his own theory. He's cause, Because he, he added Kent and said, What makes your top 100 so special? Something along the lines of, I'll trust the professional talent evaluators, not someone with a Twitter account and nothing to lose. <laughs> Excuse me, it was some of the Twitter account and no accountability. As he, a man with a Twitter account and no accountability, comes out here roasting everybody in sight. Frank Hansel, get off my bleep. Canadian chief will not get off my bleep. Quote, it's as if these professional talent evaluators may know more than a 20-something-year-old radio personality. Who to trust? Why do you ever read or listen to anything that Brett Veach himself does not give you a top Brett Veach mountain. Are you literally like? Are you just here to hear me talk about whenever I tell you that someone is good? Are you just here for whenever I praise Pat Mahomes and whatever the Chiefs do? Whenever I say something good about the Chiefs, I'm right. Whenever I say something that sounds even slightly critical, I'm an idiot. I don't get it. I jumped the gun on that one. That's okay. I was at an improv show during most of these tweets. I did not want to dunk on Twitter eggs, but I couldn't help it. Also, why are you so defensive about the Chiefs drafting a guy you've never heard of? How was the uh, improv show, by the way? It's good. Yeah? Yeah, it's actually it was a good show. Okay, you, you just sit in the back in your hacker outfit. Uh-huh. Yeah, I stopped. It was actually... Did you get any weird looks? 
I mean, they know who I am at MNU. So yes. So yes, you, always. Because you said yes. Usual ones, yes. Chiefs Dynasty 24 will not get off my bleep! This one, I'm crip- this one is crippling to me. Quote, Fuller is going to play outside and Smith can too. We got a Marcus Peters clone, but faster and doesn't have a temper. Mm. Hit it again. Mm. Three strikes. Mm. A faster, less temperamental Marcus Peters clone does not go in the sixth round. Mm. He goes top ten. Mm. He's probably the first non-quarterback off the board. Mm. Slow down. Mm. Doofus. You're angrily pointing there. That one killed me. They got a faster, less temperamental Marcus Peters clone in the sixth round. You should be the general manager of every NFL team. Steal of everything. Steal of all. It's the greatest steal of all time. Mother bleeper. Thank you. Today's show was fun. I had a good. I had a good time. I didn't. That was a lie. Thanks for listening, though, one way or another. We'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you like the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page so you can watch this radio show. Bye, Mom! You're listening to Almost Entirely Sports with Joshua Briscoe on ESPN Kansas City. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.